It's good to be here with you this morning. The message title this morning is The Church of the Living God. In Matthew 16, uh, we know the account, Jesus was speaking to Peter, and he asked him some questions, and then Jesus told Peter, he said, I will build my church. And the verse continues to say, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. But Jesus says, said, I will build my church. And Jesus was speaking about a church, a building, but he was not referring to a clean church with rows of benches and, and Sunday school rooms. His church is a body of believers, the people who were called out of this world by him. So kind of figure out where you fit in here this morning. Have you been called out by Jesus Christ? The church is his sanctified people. Those who he has has sanctified, people who are set apart by him for the church that he, to form the church that he is building. So just a, a brief, a rough, inter, brief introduction there, but I'd like to ask a question. And maybe this never crossed your mind, but did you ever, as you're sitting here this morning, did you ever ask yourself the question, are, are we doing, I say doing church, if I can say it that way, are we doing church the way God originally designed looking at your leaders here that's not my point at all but do you ever think about that Shenandoah are we doing church the way God designed us to church a few more questions along with that question how do we rate in God's eyes God sees you here this morning right another question if we were graded what would be our grade you know he has Myerstown Shenandoah Waterworks what would be our grade Let's ask a few more questions. What is my part in the church? And along with that, am I doing my part? And along with that, is God pleased with my role in the church? Just a few questions to get, to get your mind thinking. Jesus said he's going to build a church. I think we're part of that. But are we doing what God originally intended? We're going to look at a number of scriptures this morning. Um, we're going to be jumping around a tad if that's okay. And we have three points I'm going to cover quickly. And that is the purpose of the church, the privilege of Christian fellowship, and then my part in the church. And I hope we can uh, look at this and encourage us to a closer walk with the Lord and to fulfill our purpose of the church. So the question was asked, how do we rate in God's eyes? And I think we're all aware and we're told not to compare ourselves among ourselves. However... I believe it's wise in this setting, it's wise to live in this setting to conduct our church in a way that's pleasing the Lord. And I hope that's why you're here this morning. You came here to worship the Lord this morning. And obviously you have a, a plan or a, you came here with Lord, Lord, I want to please you this morning with my worship. And I trust we have done that this morning already in, in song. So our goal and our purpose in church should be to accomplish God's original design and God's original plan. Because why else would we be here? We don't want to go against his plan or his design. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like to read a few verses here to start. Ephesians 2. And I confess, I mean, I, I'm telling you we're jumping in here and there, so uh, hopefully we can get the background here. But Ephesians 2, let's jump in at verse uh, 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
Here we see the church, a family symbol described as the household of God. What I see here is a construction site. A church is being built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But most importantly, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The New Testament prophets are the foundation. And here we have it. We think about our part ready. Every child of God is part of the building, is a stone in the building of Jesus Christ. So like I said, we'll get to our part here shortly, but already we see that every believer is considered an important part at the construction site. We are called, we are here today, we are called to build and to encourage, and the list could go on. And the stones are forming a spiritual temple, and what's the purpose? To glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here this morning to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the Lord inhabited a literal stone building, the temple, which was yeah, the temple back in the day. Now, today we're in the New Testament era, and God doesn't dwell in stone buildings. Where does God dwell? Today. Dawson. Amen. God's not dwelling in some temple or some stone building. He's dwelling in your heart. He's dwelling in my heart. That's where he's at today. Are we fulfilling his will in our lives? <clears throat> so we're, the, the church is in the building process. We're growing into what? Into a holy temple. First Peter 2, 5. Ye also, you and I, as lively stones. Okay, that's us. We're stones. We're building. Are built up a what? A spiritual house. He goes further. A holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices, which are what? Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. We're to praise God and bring him a glory. We are here this morning to assist in building his church to offer up sacrifices which are acceptable to Jesus Christ. Another verse from Peter, First um, Peter 2.9. You again, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are also a peculiar people. Some people shudder at the thought, but we are. Why? To show forth the praises of him who called you where? Out of darkness. Where? Into his marvelous light. You were here this morning. I am here this morning to say, yes, I was in darkness. Now we are in light and we are here to proclaim Jesus Christ to the world. That's why that is the purpose of the church that Jesus told Peter, I will build my church. And sometimes we think sometimes we may think that we're, we're failing. But now the gates of hell will not prevail against a church that Jesus Christ is building and that you are part of. God placed you here for an intended purpose. He purchased the church with his blood. And, and gave us a responsibility. This morning we are to witness, shine, and praise the name of the Lord. Are we doing <clears throat> our part? I'm aware we only scratched the surface of purpose. We could go on uh, a long uh, way on that. However, ask yourself the question, are we a building stone in God's church? Are we playing our vital part? Are we glorifying the Lord? And are we a faithful witness, a bright shining light, and a prepared people who are praising the Lord? That's just a very short thing on the purpose. Let's look a little bit at uh, the second one, the privilege for Christian fellowship. And before we, we're going to start with the vital grounds for fellowship with Christ. So we're here this morning to serve Christ. And we want fellowship with Christ. Okay, so what's required so we can have fellowship with Christ? Are you saying I can just uh, do as I please in fellowship with Christ? Live my life the way I want to live? So a few points here. Number one, confess our sin. 1 John 1, 9. If, we got to love that if word. If we confess our sins, what happens? He, Jesus Christ, is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, what we need to realize this morning is that we serve a holy God. 
you and I, we serve a holy God. Our God that we serve is pure. In him, there is no trace of sin and there is no darkness. A few minutes ago, we talked about how we reminded the Holy Spirit is living in the hearts of you and I as we are serving the Lord. Remember, the Lord dwells in pure hearts. Fellowship with Christ begins when we confess our sins. He'll meet us there, forgive us our sins, and then he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number one, confess our sins. Number two, we're called to be a holy people. First Peter one fifteen. but as he which has called you is holy. Okay, so Jesus Christ is holy. We looked at that. Then it tells us, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's not one of the Ten Commandments, but he says, you are to be holy. Our conversation, which is speaking there, is what? It's our behavior, our character, our actions, our walk of life, who we are. Are we a holy people? Another verse in First Peter, it's basically the same thing. But it, it, it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So the question could be asked, what's holy? Well, pure, morally blameless. Are we building the church living God? Are we a holy people with God dwelling in holy hearts? So we say, wait a minute, how, is that possible? Yeah, the Lord's not going to ask us to do something that we're not unable to do. He's not a God that places uh, positions of pleasing him outside our reach. We can be holy. So when he called us to walk in holiness, I believe he requires us to live pure lives that reflect his holiness. Number one, confess your sin. Number two, holiness. Number three, walk in the light. We see more uh, grounds for fellowship. First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. There we see some unity coming in here. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And this ties in well with the first point. But what does walking in light look like? To say that God is, is light is a statement about his holiness. He's absolutely holy. And altogether moral, and there is no imperfection in God. But to walk in light reflects a life that lives in conformity to the revealed will of God. To walk in light reveals that we're walking in the light of God God has given us, and we're following His will. And I trust that's where we are at this morning. That this is just kind of more of a, a teaching message to learn from, from the word of God. Now let's look at the privileges for, for fellowship with Christ. Um, we live with Christ. We're, we're holy. We're doing as he called us to do. What is, uh, you can call them blessings. You can call them privileges. What do we have here? Um, we're, we'll be able to have the privilege of sharing in the Father's presence. John 14, uh, 20 to 26. Like I said, we'll be jumping around just a little bit. John fourteen twenty. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, this was not Judas Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And look closely at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, what's going to happen? He will keep my words. Is that all? No. And my father will love him. And it gets better yet. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Then he, he had switches just a tad in verse 24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. 
And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, here we have it, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and brings all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And here we see the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus begins with the word if. So if we reflect back to the beginning of the message here, love is evident as, as we serve as, as building stones in Christ's church. And we're on that worship and praise committee, if you can call it that. But believers in Christ will love Christ. And what we see there in verse 23 is, is unity and love and family bond and fellowship. We and Just imagine the, the blessing or the privilege of being part of, of the fellowship with Christ. Believers of Christ will love Christ. Those who love Christ will serve obediently. And as we see there, we will keep the words of Christ. So step one, if we love, we're going to serve obediently. Number two, step two, our father will love us. Yeah, we love him because he first loved us. But in step three, Jesus said, they will come unto us and make our home with us. The Holy Spirit will live within so there is a promise of the, of the two most powerful and wise persons in the universe. Both the Father and the, and the Son will live within us and will live where we live as long as we live among those who are intentionally, obediently following the Lord. And as you go through Scripture, there's a repeated emphasis in the teaching of Jesus that his disciples will obediently obey, I mean, will obediently follow his teachings. So are we there this morning? So we're part of the church living God, the living God. We talked about that earlier. Where we confess our sins, we're living holy lives, we're walking in the light, we desire that fellowship with Christ. Are we obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? May obedience be, that be said about our a character. Number, the second one here, as a second privilege, will be counted as his friends. If you're there in John, in my Bible, turn to page one to, uh, one page to John 4, 15, verse 14. Words of Jesus. You are my friends, comma, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And we could say, well, what is a friend? A friend is one with whom you have a, a bond of mutual affection, or, or you could say a close acquaintance. Friends are those who are kind and caring, someone you enjoy talking to and visiting with. It's kind of a vague definition when you look at verse 14, Jesus speaking, you are my friends. But what we see here is obedience demand, determines friendship. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if. So we come back to that obedience part. The commitment from Jesus is there, but the, in the equation that he will do his part if, then it switches back to our part if we follow his commands. Friends of Jesus are obedient to Jesus. Are we following what he calls us to do. He says, you're not my servants. Servants are kind of also known as slaves. But here we have fellowship and daily communion with Christ. We're not slaves on the outside. We're in the same family, part of the family with him. Third privilege, and excuse me, I'm moving fast through here because I like to get to our part as soon as we can. But the third privilege is we have the promise. Fellowship, those in fellowship with Christ have the promise of answered prayer. Did you ever stop and think, was well, the Christian life worth it? Well, you look at some of the privileges that we have in Christ. And we get to the promise of answer prayer. Yeah, it might be in John 16. Let's look at verses 23 and 24. 
John 16:23. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Very, very, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. You know, we don't serve Christ just because we're looking for the benefits. We're not that kind of person. People, I hope not. We serve Christ because we love Christ. But here he's given us an added benefit. What a glorious promise. We're promised an avenue directly into the presence of God. And that's through the avenue of prayer, our approach to God. Our communication with him needs to be in Jesus' name. It's a crucial point, I believe. Our approach to the Father and our, our prayers, our petitions need to be in Jesus' name. Before Jesus came, men asked God directly. But the resurrection instituted a new and living way into God's presence, and that is through the name of Jesus. And then the blessings kind of continue there. You shall ask what you shall receive what you ask, and your joy shall be full. You know, the privileges to continue to abound. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Another privilege there. But when we think of prayer, James 4 issues a warning that we're not to ask in a wrong way or ask in something that's contrary to the will of God. So this morning when you pray, this evening when you pray, are you going to ask in the name of Jesus? And don't ask anything contrary to God's will, but ask that his will would be Accomplished. The obedient child of God is promised an answer to their prayers. And sometimes you can probably speak uh, witness for your as well, testify to this. Sometimes your prayers are answered right away. And sometimes, many times, we're called to wait a while. But God's never too busy to hear, and he will answer in his in the correct time. So the child of God will experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. They would be counted as a friend of Jesus and were given the promise of answered prayer. And here again, I know it's just a short list of the privileges that we have in Christ. But can we, are we experiencing that fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? We took care of the things up front, our sins and so on, living in a holy life for the Lord. Let's look now at my part in the church. So the church functions as a team. And sometimes we're referred to as a, as a body of believers. We hear that quite often. So let's take, um, when, you, when you're playing a game with the team, each team member is striving to do their best to win the game, to reach the goal, to conquer the challenge. And each player is using their ability and their talent to assist with the team so they can finish as winners. And it's the same system in the body. Each member is doing their part for smooth function. So this is used for what? The ears used to hear. The eyes are used to see. The nose is used to smell. Fingers, everything, and so on. All working together to make one unit. But it's the same way in the church. Each one of you here this morning plays an important role to make the church life function smooth. And like I've said many times... Church does not happen by default. It takes everyone working together with one goal in mind to be part of assisting and building the kingdom of God and his church. It takes everyone working together. We're going to turn to Romans 12. I'd like to read some some verses from, from Romans 12. And there's a bunch of instructions given here. And I don't have a lot of comments, but I'm going to ask you a few questions uh, give you a few things to look at as I read these verses. 
So what I want you to do as I read this, take careful note of our attitude and our actions and our response to others. I'd like to ask you the question, what does it mean to prefer one, prefer one another? Define in your mind, given to hospitality. Ask yourself, where did we receive our gifts and our talents and our abilities? Okay, from God, correct? Then the question is, are we using them for his glory? And as you read this, ask yourself, where can, what part can, where can I improve? And when we think of Romans 12, I don't think very often we think, oh, this is referring to the church. But just think of what it is instructing us to do. I therefore, the, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Then he says, he defines it how? Holy, acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. Okay? And be not conformed to this world. Okay? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, if you're looking here, as, as I go through my life, and as you're looking on, if you say, Leon, be not conformed to this world. Leon, be transformed. Leon, Prove what is good, Lee, and prove what is acceptable, and prove what is the perfect will of God. You see how this would change our churches from the inside out? I'm not saying there's, another, there's problems. I'm just saying, you think about, earlier we're talking about pure and holiness, being pure and being holy. Just look at this. Verse 3. For I say, through grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly. Whoops, okay, now we're, now we're introducing humility. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members, Shenandoah is speaking here, in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every member one of another. Every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait in our ministry, or he that teaches on teaching. He that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Well, this is hitting every one of us right in the head. This, this, this is us. Whatever your gifts are that God has given you, this is how we're supposed to respond. Let the love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Shun, get rid of that. Then do what? Cleave to that which is good. I get that. Verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. I looked at that. Just to, I asked you that question just a little bit earlier. What does that mean? Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I, we talked about attitude. Look at verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Here we see unity. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be wise, not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And I'm going to stop at verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. And we could go for hours on that and then verses alone. I don't have a lot of notes on that. I'm actually going to stop right there with that. But just ponder that. Ask yourself the question. 
was verse, is, is Romans 12 talking about me? Or are there some things in my life that I need to adjust? What else are we called to do in the church? What is my part? We are to build up the body. So we're going to go back to, uh, to Ephesians 4 for a few verses here. Ephesians 4, let's look at verses 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11, similar to what we just read. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly Joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. You talk about a mouthful right there. But what we see, God has blessed each one with special talents. Why did he bless us with talents so we can keep them to ourselves for our personal gain? No. The Bible says, Ephesians tells us, for the perfecting of the saints. We are here to learn from each other, to glean different thoughts and ideas from scriptures that help us forward on our spiritual journey. For the edifying of the body of Christ, the Lord has placed you here for you to help the body, to edify the body, to build up the body of believers, to use your God-given abilities and talents to build God's kingdom. That's why... You are here this morning. Till we all come in the unity of faith. All, all includes you and I. And what do we see? We're to be promoters of unity. We are to be promoters of unity. Speak the truth in love. It goes a step further than just speaking truth. We're to speak the truth in love. The whole body, body fitly joined together. This brings in the thought of a puzzle. Each piece fitting perfectly together. Referring to us this morning, are we snapped together and making a nice, smooth, complete puzzle? And then that mouthful in the end of verse 16, effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edified of itself in love. And this phrase is screaming unity. That's what God's saying. We need to be a unified body of believers. It's a, it's a scene where every team member is working together for one goal. It's Ephesians 4 describing you and I. God has each one of us here for a purpose. We're to be builders. Working together with one another. Another step that we can look at here is our part is to serve one another. And I have the verses here. You don't have to turn to them. 1 John three sixteen. Hereby perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Are we working together? Uh, and serving one another, meeting the needs of those around us. We're going to move on, jump up ahead of here a little bit, and I'd like to read a verse in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, a familiar verse, but my part in the church, our part in the church, is to promote the work of God. I like this verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, our part in the church does not stop with building, serving, and giving. It's more than that. We're called to evangelize in Matthew 28. We're called to glorify God in 1 Corinthians 6. We're called to worship together, Hebrews 11.25. We're called to adorn the doctrine of God in Titus. And as this encouraging verse uh, states, we're to be steadfast and unmovable. The definition kind of is the same, being rooted and grounded, not, not quickly moved. But I believe this verse is describing what every church should be filled with. People who will not be deceived and are not going to fall away, but rather those who are deeply rooted and grounded in the faith. Is this verse describing you this morning? Are we always abounding in the work of the Lord? Where are we spending our energy? Yes, we're busy people, but are we promoters of the work of the Lord? And as I got studying along here, I got to this point in my uh, notes, and I thought, well, another another word comes to mind as I'm thinking of our part in the church. And uh, the word is commitment, but we're not even going to go to the definition because if if your name fits into First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, you're a committed person in the church and in uh, in the work of the Lord in His church. There's no lack of commitment in the words, but ye but be ye steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's describing a committed person. But I do have one name I like to mention, and it's not in my notes. I just I like just to to show you guys a man who is committed. There's a man sitting here this morning. That had a baby yesterday at five o'clock, and he's here this morning. Brothers and sisters, if that's not screaming commitment, you can talk to me afterwards if you if you uh, if you have something to say about that. But uh, I said I'm going to say his name, <laughs> Matthew Good. He, I said something to him earlier. He said, "Well, his wife did most of the work." Nonetheless, he is here this morning. More on my part, we're to be happy at the thought of public worship. We can look at that in Psalm. We're to rejoice. In the presence of God, more from Psalm. We're to celebrate his mercies, Psalms. Fellowship with others from Acts. Keep the ordinances from 1 Corinthians uh, 10. Be friendly and show hospitality towards visitors from Romans uh, 12, which we read a little bit earlier. We're to seek the lost. We can find that from in Ephesians and, and Matthew. One verse in closing, 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I tarry long... That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Brothers and sisters, this morning, are we doing our part in building the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of truth? Do you come here this morning known as a safe place to worship and a safe place to praise our maker? Are we doing church the way God intended? I do believe we're doing our best and we're trying to do exactly that to please God in everything that we do and say, am I doing my part? God bless you as you take your rules and serve him faithfully. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. We just say thank you, God, for your written word and for the encouragement that we can get here and for the instruction that we see. And I pray that each one of us can do in our part as we are assisting And as we are stones building your kingdom, as we're around the construction site, God, may we just be uh, not slackers, but 
committed to the cause for you and for your kingdom work. Give us wisdom and direction. Bless those who have part in the remainder of the service. In your name we pray. Amen.